Welcome back to the OPEX podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by Melissa Gitran from OPEX Cura in Northern California. On this episode, Melissa and I discuss owning and operating an OPEX licensed facility and Melissa's role as a mentor on OPEX's business accelerator platform. Guys, this was a great conversation with Melissa. I know you're going to love it. Stay with us. Thank you so much for making time. Just for the listeners, fit us in on your background. Um, so my background, I actually went to school for international relations and Latin American studies. As you do then, before you become a coach. You know, um, and then really I found CrossFit myself as a sport for me to do coming out of collegiate sports, um, you know, and then somehow ended up here. So Melissa, what got you involved with OPEX? How did, how did that all come about? So I was working in a CrossFit gym and we were always a slightly more unique model. We'd always ran a closed class model. So people come to specific times. Um, they have a coach. They see the same coach every time they come in. So we were kind of unique in that sense as, you know, it wasn't a drop in whenever we already had a kind of slightly more refined model. Um, but even then, it was like you have these people and you see them every single day and you start to know their lives a little bit more. Um, they tell you a little bit more about what's going on outside the gym. You're creating these personal connections. And then you have to put them into a 3-2-1 go workout. And Susie, who just said she wants to pick up her kids, is now doing Fran. You know? So for me, I was already kind of starting to see some red flags of, hey, I really care about these people and the goals they're telling me. But then when we get inside the class setting, I have to have them all do the same workout. Uh, so OPT at the time was just the first thing I found that offered an education platform that allowed you to understand them and learn a little bit more about exercise selection, um, how to connect the dots between the conversations you have off the gym floor and how that's reflected in the programs. Yeah, great stuff. So a question I like to ask uh, any guest I have on the podcast or any human that I ever have a chance to interact with is about their influences. So who would you say have been the biggest influences on you, not only personally, but also, sorry, not only professionally, but also personally. So about your professional and, and personal influences. So I'd say the same person for both of those. Um, when I first got into OPEX, I hired a coach. And that coach has been my mentor and mentored me for the past five years. So just as far as for, you know, building my confidence, um, both within my training, but then also, you know, making sure that I felt confident with the direction I was taking my gym. So when, when the question came, hey, do we, do we take a leap with this new OPEX model? Um, I was in one of the first cohorts to become a licensed. That's a scary leap. You know, there's no one you can look at that's in front of you that's showing that this is successful. Um, so having that mentor there to, you know, remake sure that I was living my larger why. Um, so I definitely say that Mike Lee was that person for me. Great stuff. And Mike, both be both professional and personal. Anyone else fall into those, either of those categories for you? Still, I'd say he's my largest one only because, you know, A, I think we can't separate the two, what we do in our businesses and also fulfillment outside of the gym setting. 
you know, so Mike was always the person that made sure that I was finding balance, that the gym was a big part of my life, but that I also was fulfilling things that were outside the gym as well. Um, so really great at making sure that I was finding balance. Um, so, so when did the moment come where you're like, yeah, I'm going to open a facility? And talk us through that process, like talk us through like the, your mindset, what were maybe some of your fears or trepidations? And then on the reverse side of that, what were some of your sort of motivating and driving factors saying, yeah, this is what I want to do? Yeah. So in my case, um, I made the leap to leave my old CrossFit gym back in 2014. Mm. So after coming back from finishing my level one CCP, I couldn't do the regular CrossFit anymore. So yeah. even within that facility, we started to change the way we did the program designs and went to something that was a little bit less sexy, but more functional. Um, and got kind of a backlash for some of the people in that gym and that culture. So I chose to split out on my own. And in 2014, I opened a CrossFit gym, but it was completely, you know, if you ever followed the big dog blog, it was kind of a function based program design. So everything was always written on the board with A1s and A2s. Uh, there was never really a wad kind of like write out on the board. So yeah. that was my first play at creating my own culture. So even as a CrossFit gym, I still had the power to bring people in the way I wanted to, to run the classes the way we wanted to. Um, you know, so when we made the transition into being an OPEX gym, I think it was a little bit easier for me because my clients were already slightly used to what we were doing. It was just now, hey, an upgrade to what they were already receiving. Now, instead of all doing the same workout, whether it's a better written program, you get your own. Mm. So a question I always like to ask a business owner is about like work-life balance. I know some people say work-life balance is bullshit, but I suppose where I'm going with this question is how do you try to maintain as much balance as you can in your life. So, you know, like looking at all those factors, like, you know, your own rest and recovery, your own sleep, your own nutrition, hydration, training, and then also, you know, running this flourishing business. You know, can you just touch on that? Because I suppose for all the business owners that are listening or potential business owners who are listening, it's, it's an area that you hear a lot of people can potentially struggle with. And it's an area that kind of maybe holds a lot of people back from opening their own business because they feel that they just won't be able to juggle all those balls. So I'll be very interested to get your take on that. The first word that comes to mind is boundaries. Nice. So when you own a gym, you work for yourself. Mm. So you have to create a schedule that mimics somewhat uh, a actual traditional job that makes sense you know so sometimes the freedom to get things done whenever you want is not a good thing yeah. so setting boundaries of hey this is when i'm in the office this is when i do these tasks and then this is when i unplug um especially for those of us who are working with either remote coaching or you know in-house coaching inside your facility Fitbot, now True Coach, makes it really easy for you to be accessible to your clients all the time. So establishing clear boundaries of when you communicate with your clients and when you unplug. You know, um, if we're going to preach to the people inside our gyms about the BLGs and having balance and all of those things, and then we're not reflecting that ourselves, there's an un 
of misalignment there. Um, so, you know, I think that coming through the accelerator program, um, Jim and the team has laid out a really nice system for coaches to create schedules of when they do the business side, when they do their programming for their clients, and then also when they're unplugging. As an owner, as, as a business owner, what do you look for in your employees? Because it's, it's actually a question I, I, I wouldn't like, maybe fascinated, it's a little bit strong word, but I've asked this question to a lot of people of how do they go about ensuring that they're getting competent coaches? You know, is it, do they think it should be an internship model first? You know, should it be like this idea? Alan Cosgrove used to say, well, I say used to say, as far as I know, he still says, you know, hire slow, fire fast. So, because I've seen this a number of times where individuals hire a bit too quick and it's like, oh, I don't really think that this individual is right for our culture. And it can get very awkward and, you know, it can just, it can leave a lot of tension going on and, you know, it can end up being a poor relationship and then break up eventually. Whereas if there was a little more of a process to the hiring, the whole hiring process, if you will, um, that could have been avoided in the first place. So as a business owner, how do you go about ensuring that you're hiring the right individuals to work in your culture? Um, 100%, you know, and I can say we've made our mistakes. You know, I've learned how to fire um, when we transitioned. And that's like uncomfortable for a lot of people, you know. You're gone. I think... <laughs> especially too, if you were coming from a CrossFit gym, um, those are usually run by people who are all friends. You know, you have a buddy who's, who likes CrossFit too, so you hire them. Don't hire your friends is my number one rule or recommendation. Don't do that. Um, you know, in our, in our instance, I had a really great floor coach that was great at entertaining. Uh, the competency level wasn't there. Mm. So when... I was writing all the program designs. Yeah, she was great at executing them, you know, and, and being able to run a floor. But when it came to the competency level of being able to write a program design, that wasn't there. So I do recommend hiring slow. Um, also, when it comes to bringing on new coaches, you need to look at their ability to program design, but also what their experience has been like working on a more one-on-one -on -one setting with clients. Mm. So if you're making the transition from running a group style facility to um, an individual based model, you need to really take some time to vet the people that you're bringing in. What is their educational background? Um, how are they able to handle higher stress situations? You know, so my big concern now is can a, can a new coach, handle the client load you're giving them yeah right so it's it's easy to program for two people it's another thing to program for 40. um so making sure that you're bringing in people who come in with a background beyond unfortunately i hate to say it crossfit you know if we've come from a crossfit background you've got a couple specialty seminars under your belt that doesn't make you ready to write program designs mm -hmm. Speak to me about continuing education, not only for yourself, but for your staff, for, 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 for ah. your, your coaches. How, how important is continuing education uh, for your staff? And, and, you know, maybe give us an idea of, do you have a sort of system towards that? You know, do you kind of, at the start of the year, say, right, these are the continuing education uh, sort of units or courses I think 
we should go after this year? Or do you look for feedback from your coaches, like ask them, what would you like to upgrade your skills on? Uh, talk us through that, because obviously as a business owner, it's, it's important to have continued education for, for your, not only yourself, but for your staff. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that is one thing that separates us from other gyms in our area is the level of competency of our coaches. Um, you know, I always like it to be that for the coach, for them to be able to self-reflect and see where they feel the most inadequate in their, in their education or their ability to connect with clients, whether that be, you know, maybe not even program design, but inside the consultation room, their ability to communicate um, can be a big one for a lot of coaches. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, other ones just aren't as confident with the nutrition. Um, they come out of, you know, their coursework and they're still not very confident with working with different populations or they've been really accustomed to working with athletes, but now we have general pop people sitting in front of us and they're struggling with knowing how to meet them where they are. Uh, so that's part of our, my coach development at meetings with our, my coaches is also what motivates them and who do they enjoy working with. So mm -hmm. if I do have someone that really does like to work with moms and that population, well then, yeah, that's going to dictate where we go with their education versus if I have someone who is going to stay slightly more sports specific and enjoys working with athletes, then we're going to move that way. So I don't force education to be a one-way track. It really is a matter of who that coach is, who they resonate with and, you know, where their strong suits and where aren't they. Um, in our instance, both of my coaches are on their journey to be level two CCP coaches. So I do gravitate towards OPEX. Um, they are also both, um, enrolled right now in their, um, precision nutrition. So just kind of getting that as a baseline. Um, one of my coaches comes in with a little bit more of a background. So he was a big Polican guy, uh, you know. We just got on this call. Why, why is my week stressful? Because he's off continuing his education. We do <laughs> prioritize that. Um, so he'll be out of the gym, you know, four to five weeks out of the year, continuing his education. I put mm. a high priority on that. So I, I show up at your facility completely green to fitness, no clue. What can I expect? I walk in and say, I really would like a coach to guide me through my fitness journey what happens from there um you can expect to be met where you are so all of our clients come in through a three-part consultation um wow, three parts. day one so day one where we don't even step on the gym floor um we're off the gym floor you and your coach just talking and actually having the opportunity for someone to get to know who you are uh so during that day one we're talking about what does your life look like outside the gym food, sleep, stress. Um, what is your training background? Not simply, you know, are you coming from a sport? It's okay if you're coming from nothing, but were you exposed to sports growing up? Um, what made you gravitate towards them? What made you run away from them? You know, so just having a nice safe space to be heard, uh, you know, and actually be comfortable expressing why you're looking for fitness and what you want out of it. Uh, and then days two and three, we're on the gym floor, not testing you to see your capability as an athlete, but just simply assessing where you are today. You know, um, I think that's 
the best part about having an OPEX gym is its ability to see people in a non-judgment form. If your hamstrings are tight, hey, let's address those. Let's actually acknowledge it um, before saying you're a terrible person because you can't do a deadlift without rounding your back. Um, so if you're a new person coming in, it's really just, I don't know. I lost my train of thought on that one. No, it's, oh, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, it's funny you, you mentioned that there about, uh, you know, the, if you can't touch your hamstrings, doesn't mean you're a bad person. I, I often, like Greg Cook, I steal this quote from Greg Cook where he's like, just because you don't move well doesn't make you a bad person. Because, you know, like some people are, because whenever, like, I would, like, FMS people, I'd, like, they'd say, what did I get? What did I get? Do you know what I mean? And he'd be like, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They start, like, competing against the other people there. Oh, I got a two. You got a one. And they just think, ah, oh. then, like, you know what I mean? But it's like, just because you don't move well doesn't mean you're a bad person at all. Um, I have a question for you, too, there with, um, with consultation. Just going back to what you touched on there in terms of, you know, kind of merging coaches with clients that they like to work with is do you have a certain strategy to, to try and enhance that? So like, um, is, is it the same individual that meets every uh, new client? And then from there, that individual decides, I think this person would work well with this person. Yes. So uh, from a, a business model standpoint, every new client that comes into the gym, uh, you can have a gym manager in that case, it is me, uh, in our facility. I meet with everyone that comes into our gym before they're partnered with a coach. Uh, and it's during that meeting that it just kind of allows me to, again, knowing my coaches and their personality types, set them up with the coach who I think they're going to flourish with the best. Uh, and I think that from a retention standpoint is best for the coaches and also for the clients, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're always trying to force Sue's like, you know, Joe to work with, moms and he just really doesn't enjoy it well how's that going to be reflected in their program designs yeah. you know so when we talk about long-term retention of people we want both parties to be happy um, so i meet with all of our incoming clients kind of see where they're at and what they're looking for and then from there give them the coaching i usually set them up with a coach who i think they're going to best resonate with and that's who they start their assessment with let me just read you something here. Uh, this actually really caught my eye, and uh, it's, uh, made, it made me more intrigued for our conversation today. So I, I was on your website. I'd like, as you do, mm -hmm. you always go into the about, and I came across your little bio here. And, you know, so it basically is uh, who you are. It says, Melissa is a reminder, a reminder to take care of yourself first, a reminder to have a conversation with your true self and invite them to be seen. She's a constant reminder of steadfast, unapologetic i love that word unapologetic yeah transparent leadership in our presence we are reminded that doing what you love is a is the standard while doing something that matters to the world is is the dream but the thing is you've got to be awake to live that dream she wakes people up can you expand on that because i i found that i found that a really cool bio if i'm being honest and it again just resonates with me because it also says here what moves her, books. And I'm like, yep, I'm a book guy. Hikes, love nature, deep conversations, all for it. I really like this, the next generation of women um, and then this community. So I'd like you to touch on maybe your bio, like where that inspiration came from to write a very, again, 
awesome bio to be honest and then this concept of next generation of women this concept to me that that sounds like you know the empowerment of, of future generations of, of females so maybe just touch on where that bio got got the inspiration from and this idea of empowering future female generations yeah um you didn't think you, you were going to get asked that today <laughs> um i go back and forth on Am I a female gym owner or am I just an owner? Yeah. You know, do I own a gym and does it, does my gender matter? Um, you know, like I do love, I, I love female empowerment. Um, as a coach, I tend to work with more men. I'm, I'm masculine in essence. I think really for me, what I mean is a lot of people connect to, they come into the gym and they have these goals because it's what social media has told them they should want. Mm. Um, I found CrossFit because it was the first time that I found a tool that allowed me to connect to what my body was capable of versus what it needed to exactly look like. Yeah. You know, so if I have a mom come in and she wants to be able to play with her kids and go to the park and go on the monkey bars and do things with confidence, that's the biggest thing I get from people that come to our gym. I want to play with my kids, but I'm scared I'm going to hurt myself. Okay, well, does being a size two make you more capable of being able to go play with your kid? Like, why is the size we are or the weight we are, how does that impact your ability to live your life larger? Um, so that's my biggest push is, you know, meeting people when they come into our door, really listening to where they're coming from. And, and when I say waking people up, it's, letting go of everything that we've been taught in social media is the answer to get where we want to be and just getting people to be okay with who they are comfortable in their own skin. Um, Cause the more we become that, the more we show up in other parts of our lives. Um, you know, and so when it's at the next generation of females yesterday night, actually I came home and I was talking to my wife and he's like, man, why are you so excited? I'm like, because I think I needed this client as much as she needed me. And so I have a new girl, she's 17, um, was in a CrossFit gym, but also smart enough even at 17 to realize, hey, this group model is not for me. I have, <laughs> like, I need to seek out a coach. Um, and it's awesome to have someone that age and be able to give them guidance on how to move well, how to, she's coachable. She, you know, I mean, like, when do you get a 17-year-old girl that walks into your gym that's wearing still basketball shorts, first off? This is what makes this girl great. She's not wearing like, short, I mean, I love Lululemon, but she's not wearing like Lululemon booty shorts. She's still wearing regular length shorts um, and coming in and just wanting to learn, mm. like actually learn how to move well, be taught how to do strength and conditioning. I think that's also a big thing for me is most teenagers or most girls, we were never introduced to it the weight room yeah right that was like specific to guys you know um and then by the time you did it was like you know you go in and you get on the elliptical so from like middle school till college there's very few girls that are ever getting to get to go into the weight room and learn how to move weights so when i talk about like empowering the next generation of females it's just educating them did, did like a lot of what was covered in consultation in OPEX, do, do you feel like that helped kind of cement and facilitate your whole mindset around 
what we just touched on there in terms of, you know, clients and, and us sort of reflecting our priorities onto clients and realizing that actually we kind of want to meet people where they're at. And then also as well that, you know, we all have our different perceptions of reality. So like, do, do, you, do you feel that the consultation model within the CCP program like really helps with that understanding on your part? 100%. Um, it was actually consultation that first made me, I guess, wake up to um, my unfulfillment in coaching group fitness. Mm. Uh, you know, the original CCP kind of format was a little bit more hands-on. You had to write and do a lot more practical work. And I wanted to do consult with every, every single person in the gym. So I was over here, uh, Sharon will love this, but like, you know, I was writing out NetBuds, one of the frameworks we use to, um, you know, work with clients. Like I had a binder full. I like, I've met with every single person in the gym. It was doing these consults and like spending hours writing all this like NetBuds stuff and going back through my frameworks and like reassessing, you know, all these things. And that's when I was like, like when you actually sit down and talk to people and hear their stories and like, you know, what brought them in the door, it's, you can unpack so much, um, mm. you know, and then you also start realizing that sometimes that what you do on the gym floor is such a small piece to the puzzle. Yeah. You Thank know, you. so when I say meeting people where they are, it's like when you actually allow people the opportunity just to talk to you and, you know, explain maybe why they're unhappy with, where they are in their fitness or their bodies or what's stressing them out. Um, it can be very powerful. You know, we've had, I've had many of clients that we come in and they, they look for a gym and they end up changing careers or, you know, getting out of unhappy relationships because they thought that the gym was what they were looking for, but they were looking for something so much more. Yeah, yeah. Something that actually came to my mind that I, I meant to say to you just after you spoke about, you know, that 17-year-old girl as well and just sort of basically touching on, like, your sort of why you do what you do is that, uh, like, what came to my mind is that, you know, you're, you're using fitness to develop a deeper sense of self-awareness. That's kind of what came into my mind as you were speaking. So, yeah, it's beautiful, so it is. As a business owner, Melissa, um, what would you say have been the biggest lessons you've learned so far? As a business owner, and this is where, you know, I will always give OPEX credit for what they're, the tools they're providing to gym owners is when I was at my old CrossFit gym, we, the owner was awesome in the sense of we, you know, like wanting us to continue our education. So, um, we worked with Mad Labs. We went out to uh, the guys out in Austin and did Garage Blueprint. So we did look at a lot of different gym models and business structures. Mm. But I still think what failed that gym was a lack of business skill. You know, he was a great guy. He didn't know how to run a business. Um, so Accelerator and the OPEX licensing model gives you the tools to understand the financials of your gym, which I think is the biggest area of opportunity for most people owning small gyms, whether it be a CrossFit gym, another kind of small 
fitness gym or anything like that. Um, understanding the back end of your financials, what financial success looks like for you. And that will look different from person to person. You know, not everyone is looking to own three gyms. Um, but if you are, how, <laughs> how can we measure success in gym one before we think about what even two or three would look like? Um, how do you bring on new coaches? We talked about hiring coaches. How do you bring coaches into your facility and when do you do it? At what point? Where do you need to be financially successful before you even think about bringing a coach two or three on, right? Where we're not hiring five coaches because there's a possibility that one day you'll have 200 members and all of a sudden now you've got five coaches on your staff and you can't pay them. If I was to reach out to you and say, I'm going to open an OPEX facility or even just a facility, but like, I, I really like what I see from OPEX. What advice would you give me starting off? I know you kind of touched on some things just there now with, with your lessons, but is there any, any other things that particularly stand out where like, for me personally, this is what I would recommend. So it would be depending on where you're coming from. So if you're just a coach in a gym, um, if you already own a gym, those are kind mm -hmm. of some like first kind of questions I would look at. Um, but actually I just had this conversation with a kid last week and the first thing was competency. Are you, do you have the time to make sure you understand how to write programs? Um, because on, in the beginning that can be one of the most overwhelming parts is now we're running the business and you also now have to know how to program design for a, a load of clients um, versus writing one program for a whole entire gym. Mm. Uh, so that's number one is like, Hey, what education do you really have? And that's in a non-judgment way. If your only education is a level one or a level two CrossFit, you may need to go back and go, you know, reevaluate your education, whether that's through some of, you know, OPEX is great. There's a ton of education you can start with without going straight into CCP. So I would start there to just build up your confidence, your competency in program design. Um, would be the first place to start. Just a question for you too. Um, like we, as you just touched on there about competency, would you prefer to have someone who is very competent and from a, you know, from a personality, emotional intelligence standpoint was okay? Or would you rather have someone like, who was like, you know, really can connect with people but aren't competent? Like which of those two? Because I know most coaches that I've dealt with and business owners, they'd always prefer to get the person who's like really good with connecting with people because they feel that they, they can teach them to be a better coach or technician. I find that one to be so sticky. Um, <laughs> it can go back and forth, you know, um, especially we're going on almost three years now of being a completely OPEX style gym. Um, and I still think there needs to be some levels of competency. I used to think that I could always be taught. Mm. Um, now, now I, I think twice on it, you know, again, yeah, yeah. and that's just from lessons learned. I've had great coaches that were good on communicating with people and like, you know, having just, just good personal skill but they really weren't able to step up to where they needed to with some of the competency, I guess you need with programming. Yeah. Um, and that's it too, as you know, I think that's also just the landscape of fitness right now is a lot of 
people coming into, you think about like an Orange Theory or Barry's Bootcamp, um, and their value is based off their own personal physique and their ability to entertain a group. Yeah. So, you know, I think that is the unfortunate part of where fitness is kind of going right now is you have a lot of these instructors who they're based off of their Instagram following, which is how they appear. Um, that doesn't make them, <laughs> that doesn't say anything about their actual ability to coach someone and actually be able to like help someone on the floor as an actual coach and not someone who's just like smiling and giving you motivational speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think, you know, if I'm giving advice for someone who's coming into this, um, you need to look for someone who's actually smart yeah. and bring something to the table on that end. Great stuff. All right. We just finished with some more sort of quick fire rounds. So, um, how do you learn? And so what I mean by that is what's your learning process? So there's a specific topic and you're like, I want to really get a full grasp of this topic. What's your process? Do you get books on it? Do you get audios? Do you get podcasts? Do you watch YouTube videos? Do you contact an expert? Do you do all those things? Do you make notes? Do you highlight? Do you, what do you do? Do you go to the library? What do you do? I love, I'm fascinated by how people learn. You love I love, I t- really try to get into the audio bowl thing um just was i'll do it for pers- for for fun books you know if you have a really great author who's like fun to listen to um but i definitely am a person that needs to read and highlight uh i mean i don't know if anyone else ever did this in high school but i was a big fan of cornell notes so like i love taking notes and like cornell notes is basically like you take your note your outline and on the other side you're writing your questions and then you go back and re-go through the outline and answer your questions and so like I'm much like, give me a book, a highlighter, and let me take a ton of notes, um, and then follow that up by finding an expert. So, you know, um, as much as going back and taking courses is great, when I had, when I wanted to learn more about some of the DNS style stuff, I found a really great person who I could just study under and spend time watching them work with clients, um, you know, doing more work like that. So I really do gravitate towards books, and then finding a mentor or an expert and just listening to everything they have to teach me um, much more than watching a YouTube video. I'm a tactile person. I need to touch and feel and, and be hands-on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you, what, what did you say there? D, did you say DNS? Was that what you said there? Yeah. Okay. You know, so I think there was this, also this big phase where everyone's like, oh, we need to study people's breathing patterns and everyone has dysfunctional breathing. Um, we have a really great, I have, you know, for me again, as a business, create connections. So, you know, I looked around my area, who was the expert, who was the best physical therapist, who understood what we do, where can I find them? And then how can I learn from them? Uh, which well, I, I know also you're... is really great trying to build a business because... Mm-hmm the better connections you can make in your community instead of pushing away people that may be outside of, you know, just because we're a gym and they're a physical therapist doesn't mean we can't create connection. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I know you're, you said you're Northern California, but you have Greg Levison there. He's down in Southern California, though, but he'd be a big DNS guy. So he would. Yeah. I've met, um, I actually went with Michael band and I 
went out to one of his courses out in um, out in Scottsdale at Exos. So yeah, great stuff, great stuff. Great guy. A uh, a day in your life. What does it look like? I know we touched on the work-life balance, but what does an actual day in Melissa's life look like? What time do you rise? Do you have a morning routine? Where does exercise go in? What's your whole nutrition process? Do you meal prep or do you know where you're going to have your meals? Or you, you, you strike me as someone who likes to have things as planned and as controlled as, as you can control. I get that. I'm getting I that off, your, I'm getting that off your, your, little, your little note cards you just mentioned. I was like, oh, this, this, girl, this girl likes control. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> so, um, I thrive off routine. I think most of us do. So yeah, I, wake power up, I wake up at the same time every single day. So I'm up at 440. Um, I do start with that AM cocktail. So, um, you know, my, my apple cider vinegar and lemon and Himalayan sea salt and water. Um, I shower, we have a dog. So that's a part of my morning flow is walking the dog and then my day starts um so whether i'm on the coaching floor or i'm working on the back end i do still keep that same routine this is why uh we didn't talk on the mentorship too much but this is one of the first things i tried to hammer in with the um, opex gyms i mentor is create a consistent routine mm. so my wake is the same my sleep time is the same um, i train at 10 a.m every single not every single day, but all my training days are at 10. So that was a big one too, was making it a non-negotiable of when my training fits in to the schedule. Because uh, there was a time when I would just put everyone first and then I would put my training on the back end. Um, and my training is what actually keeps me balanced and gives me the energy to show up and be present in the other parts of my life. So that is a non-negotiable. That is my time. Uh, Food prep, uh, I'm a little bit of a, I think a weird one on this end. I food prep with my mom. So my mom is one of my clients and so she trades, we trade. Uh, I write her program design and she does a lot of my food prep. So our family connection times on Sundays, I go to her house and we hang out Great. for a couple of hours. We food prep because uh, prepping for one person versus prepping for four is, I think it's easier to prep for more especially when you're buying your proteins and your vegetables, you know, so we food prep out for the week for me um, and then her, her and my, my dad. Um, so they're eating healthy too. Uh, and you know, the whole family is doing well. So that's our family connection time is we meal prep together. Yeah. That's great. Uh, killing, killing a lot of birds with one stone there. I love it. Go on, and continue. Yeah. Uh, and then also, you know, from, I guess a scheduled standpoint um we talked about this in the beginning i have like a set day so whether i'm on the coaching for or not um i think a lot of gym owners waste a lot of time on social media we i don't we have i have a certain day of the week that i do all of our social stuff mm, i have set days that i do um, my program designs so i don't try to write for right now i have a course i have a load of 45 clients i don't write for them all on one day so I block them out. I have three different days I program. I have my clients broken up into different groups. So for creative flow sense, um, you know, I'm not going to program for a beginning mom on the same day as one of my higher end CrossFit guys. Uh, so I kind of block out my program days of when I'm most creative and when I have the most energy. Um, 
So really just, you know, as we've gotten into running an OPEC style gym, creating a really nice schedule of balance between when I'm on the coaching floor, when I'm working on back end, and also then when I'm unplugging. Uh, so. Love it. As, as a person and as an owner, what's the one part of your personality or as James would say, your essence that you feel may have been self-limiting and that you've tried to work on? So basically I'm asking, is there a particular weakness you see and that you, you try to improve on or work on as yourself over the years? There's two. I know where on the business end, I know that my biggest weakness was still not doing the bookkeeping, but I don't love it. Yeah. So, so like not sourcing that out, but having a better bookkeeper, having a good accountant so that, you know, that's, you know, the things you gravitate to avoiding in your schedule, that would be it for me. I don't like doing it. Um, I, I'd, say and also, I'd say that every gym owner could resonate with that. Or coach but it was like just being okay to say like i don't like it or i'm not good at it yeah. i hated math like <laughs> or look at the classes i avoided in college like i didn't want to do that so um i'd much rather do our marketing and social media yeah. for sure uh and then also you know for me these last i have a new coach now i'm working with carl hardwick um the biggest thing we've been working on is about a year and two years ago, I tore my Achilles um, and I had a really hard time, fully, fully ruptured it the day before Christmas. Holy, that must, yeah. that's, that's a bad <laughs> uh, So I was in a boot for a very long time. Were you on that wheelie thing? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I had a yeah, friend and he had that. I was on a wheelie thing. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And also they, I'm, you know, the lucky girl that they didn't remove one of the sutures uh, that was non-dissolvable. So my incision didn't heal. So they had to go back in and flush the whole entire incision and leave an open drain hole in my ankle. So I was in a walking boot for almost a year. Um, wow. And so that was, as an athlete, the hardest thing to bounce out of yeah. um, was you know, how do I re-enter back into my fitness and what does that look like now? Um, so, Melissa, you know, you don't want me asking what, 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 what did you, sorry to interrupt, it's just, uh, I'm fascinated now, mm -hmm. but sorry. What did you really, what did that whole experience, like, what teach you? What did you take away from that? Because, uh, like, I mean, I've got no comprehension. I've been very lucky that I've had no major injuries, but, like, I'm like yourself, like, we're, listen, we're both addicted to exercise in a good way. It's a good addiction to have. Like, how was that, like, how did that experience shape you? What did you learn from it? You know, like looking back on it now. Yeah. Um, well, you know, that's where you also have to now, like from the business standpoint, realize my value as a coach doesn't always have to be connected to my physical ability. Oh, brilliant, brilliant um, because for so long, it's like you see yourself as I'm an athlete. So that's why people gravitate to work with me. Yeah. Well, now I'm having to do sales consults on a wheelie. <laughs> So that was, pretty, that was pretty hard. Um, at the time, thank God for Mike Lee, you know, he did do a really great job at giving me things I could do. Mm. So I did a ton of upper body training during that time just from, but it's hard. You know, my, my stress management is going out and hiking outdoors. 
Yeah. Right. When I need a break, I go outside. So that was taken away from me and that was really hard. But now coming back into where I am now and working with Carl, it's him consultation him asking me the questions of where do I see myself in six months from now? What do I miss doing? I miss running genuinely miss feeling like I can go out and run without the fear of what I'm going to redo to this ankle. Um, And he's done a really great job at building back up my confidence. Uh, You know, so that experience, I think the biggest learning is it, it gave me the opportunity to, I say that year was a year that I internally focused Mm. on building my business. Mm. If I can't be out physically using my body, what can I do? Um, I can be as present as possible for my athletes, um, cleaning up the systems inside my gym. And now that I can move good, um, I can, you know, externally express all those things. No, I love it. Cause again, it's kind of the reason why I wanted you to expand on that was like, you know, you can see things as an obstacle or an opportunity, you know, like Ryan Holiday's book, the obstacle is the way. And, you know, I suppose reflecting back on it now, you could be like, you know, at the time it was tough, but reflecting back now, the business grew. I got better as an owner. It, it really grew me as a person. And like you probably say, probably, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's kind of one of these things where you're like, you know what, I wouldn't change it because it, it has made me a better person. I've, I've grown an awful lot from it. I'm just always fascinated with adversities like that because again, like, both of us are in the fitness industry and, and a lot of people will resonate with this. Like we so self-identify with our bodies, whether it's the actual physical appearance or the capabilities of our bodies. And like, that's why like when individuals who get an injury, like the psychological aspect is just so huge. And I think, and this isn't, um, this isn't a rap against all therapists, but I just think a lot of therapists don't put enough credence on that psychological aspect in the initial rehab stages with athletes and I'll let you speak now on this in just a second, but I have a friend who tore his ACL there a while ago and he came to me and he, and he just said to me, have you got any advice like with the ACL? And he purely just meant from a mechanical rehab standpoint. And I came back with him. I said, the first thing is you have to realize that and he's a, he's a hurler. So in Ireland we have a sport called hurling. I don't know if you're aware of it, but it's the sport. Um, I said to him, the first thing you need to realize you are not a hurler. You are a person who plays hurling. So like, cause if, if all he self identified with was hurling and that was taken away from him, like the depression he would have dropped into would have been like so tough. Whether I was like, realize that you're a person that plays hurling. That's only one aspect of your life. You have your college, which is your PhDs in a patient moment. You have your family, you have your friends, you have all these other aspects. So I was trying to say it's so important. You don't put all your eggs in one basket, but I know as myself, as someone who loves, you know, doing physical endeavors, and again, look, I just said, I'm lucky enough. I never had an injury. So I'm always fascinated to talk to people, you know, like what was that process like? What was in your mind? Cause again, we so self-identify the last thing I'll say, and I'll let you talk is I read a book last year by, um, Altu Gande called being mortal. And it was actually Mike Lee who recommended it. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it read that book really got to me. Like it so got to me. Like, cause I never really sat down and thought about what is it like to get older? So for people that don't know, that book is just about like what, what actually happens to your body as you get old, as it breaks down and trying to come to an acceptance stage of that. And as, as a person who is so self-identified again with their body and the capability of their body, like it just so hit home me. So that was, that was why I really want to expand on that. It was just purely selfishly for me. Cause I'm just fascinated with, with the, 
with people like growing from adversity. So I don't know if you want to continue on or add anything to what I just said there. Well, first off, I say that book is on probably my top five coach recommendation books. Oh, man, it, it's so fucked my head up, though. <laughs> it's. I, I, I think I, can, I needed, you know. sorry, to, I, I needed a counseling talk with James for that. <laughs> it's a phenomenal book. Uh, so if people haven't read that one, that one should be on their list um, for most coaches. I think that's a great book. Right. But I think you're, you know, you're, you're right. It's like, how do we you have to reassess who you are in your identity. Um, you know, which why I think it is so important that people have coaches. Um, because if I didn't have someone in that moment, I think it could have spiraled into a completely different place, you know, versus like you said, like focus on who else you are. I'm a business owner and I'm a coach. My identity as a coach is not the same as who I am as an athlete. Yeah. And I had to separate my self-worth from those two, because if all I ever saw myself was, is like, my, my capabilities again and what I physically can do, um, I think I would have fallen into a much deeper depression than I did. You know, it, I pulled myself out and I was like, I'm a coach. Like, first off, I'm a coach, I'm a business owner. And right now level three is I'm an athlete. So just reassessing where I sat in my values on things um, and how I wanted to show up. And also it's like, then you, I could resonate so much better with clients that come in who you know, do have an inability to yeah. do something or are dealing with a chronic injury or pain, you know, or just, you know, anything that could be a limitation for them at the time. Um, if I fall apart, well, then what am I showing to my clients? Yeah. So it was a really great, I, you know, again, like you said, I think it was, I can look back and I, you know, I don't ever say I don't regret, I mean, I don't regret it. Like so much came out of that year and I grew so much as a result. And it also, as we talk about, you know, coaches, what self-care looks like, I also had to take a step back and reflect on quite possibly what got my body to a place that that could have happened, mm. right? Was I burning the candle at both ends for a while? Um, as a female, how many years did I overtrain and undereat because I thought that's what I should do that possibly mm. put my body into a place that'll you know for that injury to take place in the first place i think that's a phenomenal answer like you know getting a coach because even as you know me and you we're both coaches in in this profession we can still let our subjectivity get in the way of being objective and it's like and, and like we even know like you know like like we're like we would be the ones giving this advice to someone else but yet we're brutal at taking it ourselves so it's, uh, I think, yeah, getting a coach definitely is, is uh, without question, is definitely a big thing. But another thing, too, with just an injury, and I often say this when you get sick, is it really makes you appreciate when you have full health of your body. So I have last two, four questions. Uh, I've, I've forgot to ask you about your mentorship role with OPEX. You touched on it. So tell us about your mentorship role. Yeah, so if you aren't familiar with kind of how the OPEX gym model works, is you go through an accelerator course, which is where they give you all the education you need to be successful at running your business. And then um, once you complete that and you graduate out, you're given a mentor. So basically what that looks like is you're meeting with myself or one of the other great mentors we have once a month. Uh, just as an opportunity to continually refine your systems, reflect on where you're winning and where you're not, uh, so we can give you the tools to keep progressing. 
I love I love that where you're winning. Winning. <laughs> whenever whenever and also whenever I hear this OPEX accelerator, all I ever think about is Jim Crow, the capitalist. He loves capitalism, <laughs> that guy. I always give him shit. And he's whenever I ask Jim what do you read, he's always like some book on economics in China. It's always the same thing with Jim. It's great. Um always. Yeah. But I think uh, it's the biggest our biggest selling point, you know, is I can I can honestly say that when you become an OPEX gym, you're in a group now of other people that want to see you win, you yeah. know? So yeah. I always thought of like CrossFit is like your neighbors always like, Oh, I hope you're doing well. But like secretly they're like, they're hoping their gym's better than your gym. Right. So you're never going to really ask them real questions or be fully vulnerable with them because you're always like, Oh, this person is always going to try to one up me or steal my clients or, you know, something like yeah. that. OPEX gyms is the first place I've ever been where I'm like surrounded by other gym owners who genuinely just want to see everyone do well. You can be 100% vulnerable again of like, mm. I don't know how to do this. And instead of trying to like always puff up the chest or have like pretend like you know the answer, it's okay to be like, I don't know. Because guess what? Someone will help you. Yeah. Yeah. Savage. Yeah. Uh, the, listen, the OPEX family is phenomenal. There's always someone there that, that, that'll, that'll do their best to lend a helping hand and reach out to you whenever you need some help. Um, last three for you. You're a big fan of books. I am a big fan of books. I have the one I'm reading right here at the moment, which is uh, Yuval, his third book, Yuval Noah Harari. I'm reading his 21, 21 lessons for the 21st century. So that's the guy that wrote Sapiens and Homo, Homo Deus. Uh, so yeah. that's, what I'm, that's what I'm reading at the moment. So what, uh, what, what's your top book recommendation and what are you currently reading? So what's your favorite book to give away and what, what's your, uh, or books, you can give me more than one. And what are you currently reading? Well, I'm currently reading actually, as I pulled up. Um, so I'm in two book clubs. Uh, so again, if you guys follow me on social media, it'll always seem like I'm reading You're a book. A nerd. Um, You're just like me. I, I love reading. Um, and I'm currently reading finish and oh. it's a really good book. It popped up and I'm like, nah, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this one. Um, which usually anytime I say that I end up way enjoying it. Uh, so finish super short reads about 200 pages, but if you're a coach, really great at looking at how we try to be a perfectionist and we set goals that we know we're not going to accomplish. So just kind of how we can break that stuff down into more digestible pieces brilliant, to set ourselves up. And I think it just transfers so much into, you know, working with clients again. So nothing new, phenomenal on topic, but just, um, it's a good one. If you do listen to audible, he's super funny. So, uh, it's a fun one. If you're out on your afternoon walks and you're getting your vitamin D to look like a crazy person laughing at yourself because it's, it's a fun book to read. Um, so that one is my current one. You know, top book, I don't know if I could say I have a straight top favorite book. Um, Being Mortal is like, if I had to give my top five ones that I read this last year, Being Mortal is definitely up there. Um, Sex, Lies, and Menopause is from a coaching end. I think a great book for men and female coaches. If you work with any clients that are over the age of, let's say, even 30, Sex, that, lies, and menopause. Have you read it? Is that T.S. Wiley? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've interviewed her a few years ago. And I've read Lights Out, but I never read that one. I never read that one. Great one. Um, she's, she's mad. She is like a good match. She's just 
like a good crazy. So yeah. Oh, I guess again, this is my, if you have to say my favorite, one of my favorite books of all time. Um, James will probably say that not everyone should start by reading it. Is the way of the superior man. Yeah. Have you read this book? So I know it's David, like, David. it's, it's for me, that was a game changer. Uh, just in the way I communicate the working with clients and just understanding, you know, myself too. Um, yeah. I know it's you know meant for the male, male lens, but I think it's a phenomenal book and that changed my life coaching um, tremendously. Listen, uh, I, I read, so I read those, the, fe- I read the female brain years ago. So like, as, <laughs> as, as in like, you know, we should read books that are geared towards women and women should read books geared towards men. And again, as you know, from OPEX, it isn't really man, woman, it's a masculine and, fe- and feminine, you know, entity. Like, you know, you can be yes. male, but, but have a very feminine essence about you. And you can be female and have a very masculine essence about you. So you were going to, uh, those, and then what else there's, you know, whether, um, another one, Last one I've just read recently that was actually a really great business one is called Workplay. Um, mm. Yeah. So again, just from, I guess, a more feminine lens on business practice, but just an awesome book on creating a great culture within your business. Um, actually, it was a really good one that I don't think most people would think to read. So Workplay was actually probably one of my top five for this year. Mm. Um, and then when I'm not doing that, I read a lot of like goofy books too. I think you need to have a fine balance between, this is why I appreciate book clubs is because you get that nice kind of balance of self-help, book, self-help books and get my educational books, but then also you can just read sometimes some good fiction that are just books that are worthwhile yeah. to read. Yeah, I, I recently, and I know this is a book, most people say, I can't believe you only read that now, but I only just recently read The Alchemist, which is a fable, obviously, and I loved it. So good. Yeah, it was really good. Last two for you. Uh, you've got one year left on planet Earth. Now you're you're not uh, yep. you're not dying. You're just as I say, you're going on to you're going on to the Starship Enterprise, and you're gone, and you're never coming back. It's a one way ticket, baby. And uh, you've got one year left though to enjoy the the planet Earth before you leave. What would you do with that one year? Travel and go to music concerts. Um... Yeah, that's that's definitely what I would do. What, so what music, when what I'm music? not in the when I'm not in the gym, and I get a lot of like people make fun of me this quite a bit. Uh, my boyfriend doesn't understand me. Uh, like my vacations can be two days where I just go by myself and I just like need to go see music. So, so everyone's like, "Why are you in Florida?" Um, because I still listen to a lot of the bands I listened to in high school and college that are like weird, obscure, um, folky music, and yeah. that's like that fills my cup back up. Great. So like live music and I don't need to do it with another person. I think it's a great un like not shared experience because if I bring someone and they don't enjoy it, that I have like this expect, like I'm letting them down because they're not getting the same feeling I am. So um, live music and then travel. All right. I, I don't know if you've listened to any of our podcasts, but this is the, the usual standard last question I ask. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking you for dinner. Your boyfriend is coming. Um, so he doesn't count as one of the guests. And you can invite five people to this dinner, dead or alive. Who would you bring to this dinner and why? So you can invite five guests, dead or alive. Who would you bring and why? Five people. Any five people. Um, 
Brene Brown. Um, Brene Brown. You no, know, she's definitely on my like Brene Brown. Yeah. Adi Kaju uh, had her. <laughs> Brene Brown. She's got um, a lot of books. I just feel like if, if there was one person that like I had to meet on that end, it would be her. Um, gosh, I don't even know. I'm so bad at these type of questions. These are like everyone and early everyone's the same thing like oh, i don't know i don't know you do know what i'll say is listen just whoever comes to mind be authentic in the moment because what what happens is listen people try what i i see because i ask this question all the time and people like in their mind i see what they're doing they're like oh crap if i don't say profound people i'll you know I, I, and then after the show i'll be like oh why didn't i say them or why didn't i say them just be authentic whoever comes to your mind so Brene brown's a great one yeah, I think that's it. Like, I don't want to hang out with a bunch of random people I don't know. Like, I, I would just want, like, Brene because, like, okay. like, she burned like, the table. Like, if there are five people that I wanted to see right now and be surrounded by, it would be... <laughs> it would be Carl. I'd want my coach there. Cool, yeah, okay. I'm yeah. really connected to him right now. Like, we're really thriving, and, like, I'm really enjoying working. So, like, he would definitely be at my table. Um... I would also want Sean from South Baltimore because we do all of our mentorship stuff and it just stars have not aligned for us to actually like ever be present together in the same room. Like if that makes sense, uh, we do all this stuff now online and zoom, but like we never actually get to see each other in real life. So I would definitely yeah, yeah, want yeah. to get in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, that'd be a funny combination. Now we have Brene, Carl and Sean. Uh, and then I need two more. I don't even know. Um, I don't know. I'd have to, it would be a table. It would be three of us and that was it. I don't know yet. Cool, cool. Just so you know, you, you can bring other relatives. Like it, it's just your boyfriend doesn't count. Because some people might say, oh, and a grandmother or a grandparent or their mother or father even, you know. I remember like I asked Ben House's question. Ben was just like, my family. That's who I want yeah. to have dinner with. That's what he was like. So, but I, you know, listen. I'll, I'll, I'm I'm very fortunate that my parents live very close. Again, I train my mom, so <laughs> I have enough. For the, longest, enough for the longest time, clients would like didn't understand like why is she kind of mean to that lady? And I'm like, that woman is my mom. <laughs> like, I would never talk to any other client like that. Like, mom, we've gone over this tempo how many times? Like, you under understand what that. I'm tempo actually, is. I'm actually surprised yeah. that you train your mother because you know, like earlier on you say don't go into business with your friends. I was actually in my head as like, and don't train your family. That's the other rule. Because I, I she's was, the fittest lady in our gym. Yeah, that's great. Works out well. But Melissa, where can people find out more about you? Uh, and if they want to get in contact with you or in touch with you, where would the best places be? Yeah, so um, you can follow our gym, Opex Carrera. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, our, we have a brand new, beautiful website. So if you want to learn anything about me, any of our coaches, or what we're doing inside our facility, head over to opexkura.com. Um, and then, like everyone else, um, Instagram. So... Instagram is where you're going to find out the most about our gym um, and myself. And so um, yeah. I am Melissa Tron on Instagram. Um, those are the two big places. Not a big Facebook person anymore. Usually it's going to be the Instagram or the website. 
Yeah. Hear that, Zuckerberg? You're out. Uh, just one and one last thing. The name, the the name for the gym. How did you come up with that? Correct. Um, so our story, when I left my old CrossFit gym, it was slightly abrupt. Um, it was not, you know, the happiest exit. Um, so imagine you're doing your individualized program and all of a sudden you don't have a gym to train out of. So you go to 24 hour fitness and your coach has you doing KNC and pushups and rowing. That's like across a Globo gym. And now all of a sudden you have all these people staring at you and you're the crazy person. What do you do? Um, our founding members are the knock curls. They had a beautiful garage gym that was not being used. And mm. so they gave me their garage. Um, and for six months until we found a gym, we ran our classes out of their garage. So how big was this garage? Five people. To, oh, we're talking a regular garage in a cul-de-sac where I would have, they allowed me to train my clients out of there. We had classes of like, you know, 10 to 12 people wow. in this cul-de-sac. Um, <laughs> In their last name, Kura, what it means in Japanese is um, it's a warehouse where when they would go on their voyages, they would store the treasure or the loot they would find. Well, what is, you know, our gym? It's a garage with the treasure inside, which is our clients. Um, so that is why we are CrossFit Kura and why we've held on to that name. Um, you know, no matter where you go, Kura is kind of our home. Love it. Absolutely love it. What a better way to finish out the podcast. So, Melissa, thank you so much for your time. I'll just wrap this up and say goodbye to you offline. So, for all the listeners, as I usually say, at most, at the end of most podcasts now, you are all spoiled rotten with all this information. Um, but until next time, peace. Peace.